Well, hello everyone, Paul Akers. Welcome back to the American Innovator as we continue our amazing journey studying World War II history. We leave Berlin for the beautiful city of Krakow. Now, Krakow is one gorgeous city architecturally, just absolutely stunning. But our main reason for going there was to actually go to the notorious concentration camp, Auschwitz, just outside of town, about an hour and a half. So we drove out there and we began our journey. But what I didn't know was there's actually two concentration camps, Auschwitz, and then a mile and a half down the road is Birkenau. And Birkenau is 20 times the size of Auschwitz, and it was an absolute killing machine out there. And what I didn't know about Auschwitz was it was originally World War I barracks from the Polish military. And our guide began to show us some of the things that happened there. They would actually have an orchestra set up right here to play to the prisoners, taunting them, essentially. The buildings are actually pretty nice by concentration standards, but the truth of the matter is they were horrific conditions inside. Here we show all the prisoners arriving by train. They used train because it was a cheap means of transportation. They could get the maximum number of people there. These people were coming from Jewish ghettos all over Europe. They would bring all their possessions with them, anything they could, furniture, pots and pans, you name it. They arrived there thinking that they were actually going to a better place because the ghettos in Europe were so horrific. And then in the bottom right-hand corner of this picture, you can see children actually arriving as well on the train. Nobody was discriminated against. Everybody was part of this. The men on the right-hand side, the women on the left-hand side separated. Then they took the older men right here, and you'd see the Nazi right there just waving his hand saying, you over there, and he would be off to the gas chamber. And in less than two hours, many of these people died from the time they arrived. They were killing upwards of as many as 10,000 people a day. It was staggering, the wanton disregard for humanity and human life. And it wasn't just the Jewish people that were killed, where six million Jews were killed, gypsies, political descenders, people of other religion, anybody that posed any threat to the Nazi party, they were exterminated and they were brought to these two camps specifically. Now having been to the location of the Wannsee Conference, as you remember from one of our earlier episodes, this is where Heinrich and his lynchmen planned the extermination of the Jewish race. And it is really hard to comprehend that this is what they had in mind. And this is actually a model of what happened. They would come in 2,000 times, go into the first chamber, undress, hang their clothes on a hook. The Nazis would say, remember what number you are so you can come back and get your clothes. And they'd go into this next chamber on the right. That's where they'd be gassed. It'd take them 20 minutes to die. Then they would have strong Jewish men unbury the piles of body, put them in the ovens, and gas them. And these were all the gas canisters left over. And they literally used tons and tons of it. Now, this is the human hair that is cut off of all the women that they then took to make textiles from. All their personal belongings would then be put in different depots and they would sort through the suitcases, the jewelry, the pots and pans, anything they brought, and then those things were sent back to Germany as supplies. Here you can see the names of all the different people on the suitcases because they would write their name on the suitcase so they knew whose was what so that they told them they would come back and get this stuff, but they never got it. Everything was taken and exported to Germany for the war effort and to supply other people with. Everything you could think of, they took from them, including all their shoes. Millions of pairs of shoes, because upwards of 12 million people perished in the Holocaust. It is just staggering to think of the human toll here. Here's a room with the remnants of their pots and pans and dishes and everything else that they brought with them as well. Next, a cabinet with some of the cooking utensils that they brought with them as well. 
And then as we walked from barracks to barracks, we saw more and more things that were just hard to comprehend. These are pictures of all the women on the left, everyone's head shaven, it's hard to even tell they're women, and on the right, all the men. Now remember, this is a hallway filled with thousands of them, but there were millions of them that were mass exterminated here. These are the bathrooms right here, and next we went to the washrooms. Anything that looks civilized about this, imagine thousands of people being packed in here and then knowing they were all going to die. Just hard to get your head around. Many of the people lived for one day if they were lucky. Some of them were tortured here for four years before they died. These are the living conditions and where they slept on the floor just on gunny sacks. This were the actual supervisor's rooms. They were treated better because their job was to control the prisoners. And then these are more of the barracks going down to the right-hand side. And this is the firing squad wall where they bring them out and systematically just shoot them. Then we walk from camp to camp, but now the next thing is this is the gallows where the commandant of the camp was actually hung about two years after the camp was closed. And that was his house where he lived with his wife and his children. Next, we walked into one of many of the gas chambers. This is where millions of people potentially died in these chambers, staggering. And these are the ovens with big ramrods that would force the bodies in. And just a couple miles down the road, Bacchanal, 20 times bigger than Auschwitz. This was just a staggering thing. Now, I want to tell you that the entire time we were there, the weather was miserable. It was cold. I cannot imagine how these people endured these conditions. I was miserable and I had the best gear on me. I can't imagine how they slept in wet clothes and knew the end was near. As far as the eye could see, this camp stretched out. Now a commentary on the gas chambers, staggering. This is where they would come in the end. They would undress. They'd have numbers on the wall. They would hang their clothes on the wall, undress. The, the Nazis would tell them to remember your number because you got to come back after you take a shower. Then this was the shower building here. They would go in there, there were shower heads that looked like showers, but they were really gas. They would drop the gas pellets in 2,000 at a time. Then they would have Zonder commanders, which were the super healthy young Jewish men who they chose that were special to go in there and take all the bodies out and put them into the crematoriums. They were killing upwards of 10,000 people a day. There were ashes, imagine ashes everywhere. They even took the ashes and used them to build roads and for fertilizer. It was staggering. And then the Zonder commanders, usually after two or three months, would commit suicide because they couldn't take it anymore, or the Nazis and SS would kill them because they were witnesses, but most of them committed suicide because they wanted to die on their own terms. So you could just imagine this all happening. We'll go down here real quick and look at these buildings. This is where it all happened. There's the steps down there. They would all come in here, 2,000 at a time, hang up all the clothes, then be into this building over here, and then over to the crematoriums. And you can just see the massiveness of this entire compound. It's hard to even comprehend. Fully aware this is a difficult subject, and I take no pleasure in making a video about this, but we cannot forget. And you know, I never really wanted to go to Auschwitz, but I'm so glad that I went because now it is riveted in my mind what really transpired. You could read about it in history books, you could watch it on movies, but until you're there and you see it in person, you understand the gravity of what took place. We must never forget, we must never let anything like this ever happen again. My hope for producing these videos has been that we're all more enlightened and aware of the past so we never repeat it again.
Well, hello everyone, Paul Akers, and welcome back to the American Innovator. Welcome to Budapest, and this video is entitled Heaven in Budapest. Why? Because Leanne and I went to a violin concerto in this wonderful church at 7 o'clock in the evening on our last night, and we were treated to one of the most heavenly sounds I've ever heard. So this is a one-hour recording. I simply took out my iPhone, laid it on this bench in front of me, and let it record and you are going to be the recipient of Heaven in Budapest. It was spectacular.